visitors especially. Um, if you have an opportunity, we'd love to have you stop by for a few minutes, stay for a bit so that we can meet you and uh, introduce ourselves. If you'll open your Bible to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Sometimes there's an idea in the New Testament. And the idea is difficult to convey in other languages. So what translators have decided to do is to take that original word and simply change it and put it into, uh, into the modern spelling, into a spelling using uh, letters of a different language. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Wayne gave a lesson on deacons. And the word deacon is a perfect example of that. The Greek word is actually diakonos, which means to serve or servant. And there's a verb, uh, verb form as well. So when you see the word deacon, it's, it's conveying that same meaning, the same notion that was in the original language of servants and servitude. But what does that really mean? If you take a word from a different language and you spell it in your own language, you really don't understand what the meaning of that word is. In fact, there are several different ways that we can see servants um, in the New Testament. And as in many other ways, Jesus was our perfect example of service. And we're going to look at a few of those examples today. In fact, um, we saw in our Bible study this morning a perfect example of the service uh, that Jesus performed by washing his disciples' feet. If you have an opportunity to come uh, for the Bible study, uh, we would encourage you to do so. Patrick is teaching the class as we go through the Gospel according to John. And this morning we studied how Jesus humbled himself to wash his disciples' feet, a very demeaning action that was really only for the lowest of servants. Um, and yet Jesus himself, realizing that he was the Son of God, humbled himself and, and lowered himself to wash the feet of his disciples. And in fact, we see that there are several other ways that Jesus exemplified that service that we are called to have. If we turn to Matthew chapter 20... And if we look at verses starting in verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on your left. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink of the cup that I am about to drink? And they said to him, We are able. And he said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by the Father. And hearing this, the ten, the others who were listening to this whole conversation, became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so in this way, Jesus exemplified the perfect act of service. He gave his life that each one of us can have an opportunity of eternal life. And in fact, we see that, that 
If you want to be first, you must be last. If you are at the top, you must go to the bottom. You must serve and have that servant attitude. In fact, and over in John chapter 12, we read that if anyone serves me, and Jesus is speaking, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And yet we realize that service often has its challenges. It's not all roses. We can imagine that Jesus himself, when he humbled himself to wash his disciples' feet, his disciples would look at each other wondering, why is he doing this? We should be washing his feet. He, he is the Messiah. He has come to, to rescue us. Why is he washing our feet? So let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And let's look at exactly what servitude, servanthood encompasses. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in the first couple of verses, first 10 verses. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no cause for offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger. Wow, that's a terrible list. And yet we realize that following God may result in those things. In fact, Peter himself goes through, Paul himself goes through a litany of all of the sacrifices that he had made to follow Christ. Of all of the imprisonments, the beatings, even shipwrecks. He was stoned and thought left for dead. And all of this was because he was following Christ. And yet in all of these difficulties, in all of these challenges that we read about, what is the end result? What is the outcome of our service? Continuing in verse 6, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, for by evil report and good report regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying yet behold, we live as punished yet put not to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. As the world judges, as the world sees, when we sacrifice ourselves, when we serve, we are debasing ourselves, we are making ourselves of lower value. That's what the world sees. And yet when God sees us sacrificing, when God sees us serving, he sees us as having hope, as having glory, as having joy that the world cannot see, that the world cannot understand, and the world does not partake in. But as servants of his, this is the glory that we have to look forward to, the joy that he has promised us by serving him. And it also we see that, in fact, there are small hints that service has its other special rewards. 
even in little ways like the wedding at Cana. Remember the first miracle, the first sign that Jesus performed was at a wedding in Cana. He and his mother and the other disciples were there, and they were there just as participants, as, as guests of the wedding party. And as they came through the wedding, they ran out of wine. Jesus' mother said, whatever he says, do it. Jesus said, it's not my time. And yet he obeyed his mother. He, he said, fill these pots with water. And the servants filled the pots with water, and they, he said, take them to the, the master. So the servants took the water pots to the master. The master took a ladle, took some wine out of the jar, the jar and said, wait. Most people serve the good stuff at the beginning. But here you are. You've saved the good stuff for the end. Why would you do that? Why did you hold out on us? And only the servants knew, only the servants realized that Jesus had changed the water into wine. It was a special way that the servants recognized the divinity of God through his son by changing that water into wine. And in fact, we see that Jesus himself, not only in those signs and in those miracles that he performed, but he also fulfilled many prophecies that were made about him. In fact, we see in Romans 15, verses 8 and 9, that Jesus was, in fact, a fulfillment of prophecy, not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. In fact, the whole world was benefited from his gift, from his coming to this earth and being a fulfillment of that prophecy, of exemplifying that servant attitude that we should have. Let's take a look over in Luke chapter 12 and verses 35 and look at a parable of what it means to be prepared. Luke chapter 12, verse, we'll start in verse 35. Simple commands, simple directions for each one of us to follow. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Keep your batteries charged. Keep them right by your bedside. Be ready in case something happens. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them. Whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third, and he finds them so, so prepared, blessed are those slaves. And so we see, in fact, that the master himself will come and will serve. And that itself was shown in the service that Jesus performed by washing his disciples' feet. And in fact, let's turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and look at what is the result of serving. What does it mean to be a servant? And what is the response and the ultimate outcome of service? Again, this is Paul describing himself. As I mentioned, he went through many different trials as a follower of Christ. He was persecuted for his beliefs and his faith. And in many ways, he exemplified how a, a faithful Christian would respond. And yet, let's look at what he says about service and the results of service. Starting in verse 10 of chapter 10. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 10. Uh, 10 through 15. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. 
But what I am doing, I will continue to do, so that I may cut off opportunity for those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. And so a servant is recognized by their deeds, by the results of their actions. And so servants, even Satan himself, will disguise himself as an angel of light, coming to deceive. But judge us by our fruits, by our actions, by the results of our deeds, and not just by what we say. So in fact, we see that we are called to act. We are called to be not only faithful to him, but also active for him. For good or for evil, we will be known by our fruits and by our actions. In fact, we see that in the letter to the Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, to all the saints, he dedicates the letter to at Philippi, all the saints with the overseers and the deacons. And so here specifically are called out the deacons and the elders of the church. In fact, Tychicus in Colossians 4 and 7 was called a faithful minister and a fellow servant. But let's turn over to Acts chapter 6 and look at deacons specifically as servants. So far we've been talking about service as a follower of God, as each one of us who recognize who Jesus is and what he did for us, how we are to serve him, and the results of those actions. But let's look at a specific need that the church had. The church was growing very quickly, very rapidly, and it was expanding in numerous ways. And some of those challenges that come to a rapidly growing body were affecting the church. And in fact, we see that there were individuals in the church that were omitted, that were consciously left out from the servings. Why would that happen? Why would that be? And what was the result? What did they decide to do to fix that? In the first 10 verses of chapter 6 of Acts, I'm sorry, the first seven verses. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Jews, the native Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Porchus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And they brought, they brought them before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their, laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. So we see that there were several in the congregation that were not being served. Several that were actually being omitted. And so what they decided to do was to identify men who were full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. To take the role of making sure that everybody was served. To serve at the tables. And this service was done, and we see in verse 1, it was the daily serving of food. 
In verse 2, it was the serving of the tables. And in fact, even in verse 4, where it's translated ministry of the word, the word ministry there is also the same word, serving. And so not only are the deacons to have the, the, the attitude of service, but also the elders are to have the attitude of service. And in fact, as the examples that we've seen so far, we as Christians are called to have that same attitude of service. So as we realize the needs of the congregation of the church, we have elders. Wayne and I were recently appointed. And in our efforts to lead, we are looking for individuals in the congregation. We are looking for men to step up and to serve as deacons in this congregation. And we would ask each one of you, as you go through the next week or two, that you think about individuals that are qualified to serve. Wayne went through the qualifications in 1 Timothy last week, a couple of weeks ago. And he mentioned, in fact, the ways that deacons are required to behave, to act, how they are to keep their household and their families. But we also recognize the attitude that they're to have as servants. We're called to be servants, and not just the deacons, but each one of us in the congregation. And so we see in 1 Timothy 3.8, deacons are supposed to be likewise, following the, the lead of the elders, following the example of the elders. Wives in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 11 are also to have that same attitude as the deacons and as the elders. In fact, following the same guidelines is not only for the deacons and the elders, but are guidelines that each one of us should aspire to have. The attitudes and the humility that each one of us to have, not in wanting to be first, not in wanting to sit on Jesus' right hand and his left hand, but in serving each other. And in serving, Jesus has promised that he will exalt us, that he will raise us up. So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and look at how we can use our gifts to serve one another. First Peter chapter four, verses seven through ten. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in the serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one of you, each one of us here in this congregation has a special gift. It's not a miraculous gift. It's not something that we can turn water into wine or we can raise people from the dead. But we have our own special gifts. I have gifts that are different than yours. You have gifts that are different than the person next to you. What those gifts are is difficult to say. Only you yourself can realize in prayerful requesting of God to help you take those gifts, to develop them. Remember the parable of the talents? A talent is not just a simple little piece of gold, although that was used as an analogy. A talent is a skill. It is that gift. If we bury that talent in the ground, when Christ comes back, he will not be happy. If we ignore the gift that God has given to us, It will not grow. It will not mature. It will not develop. We have opportunities in this congregation for all of us to recognize the leadership and the gifts that each one of us has. To take advantage of what God has given to us. To develop it. To grow it as he wants us to. So think about what your gifts might be. What your capabilities are and how you can work with us 
in this congregation to grow and to love one another more and more each day. But let's remember that, in fact, we are all called to be servants. But especially at this time, we also want to think about deacons and bringing deacons up for service here in this congregation as well to help with the administration and the work that needs to be done here. Wayne and I can't do it all. We need your help to do it. We need deacons' help to organize it, to plan it, to execute it. But we also need your help as the congregation to make it a reality and to help us make it come true. So that's the call that we have for today. As we are remembered, as we were reminded to have that servant attitude, in each day, let us be thankful for the gifts that God has given to us. But let's not bury them. Let's not hide them. Let's not ignore them. Let's develop them. Let's grow them with each other and working together in this congregation. We ask that you would think about your gifts, think about your capabilities, how you can work with us here in this body, and how you can help us grow and mature to a fuller knowledge and understanding of him and what he did for us. Let's be thankful for those gifts and take advantage of them. But also consider how we can identify deacons here in this body and how we can have them help us to do the work that needs to be done. Won't you consider how you can be part of that and how you can grow with us? Won't you come?